1: Hello, fellow patriots, liberty lovers everywhere, and chumps for Trump. Here we go, getting underway with hour number two, The Bobby Mac Show on Hump Day. And uh, historically, uh, that is uh, the day and time when we are joined by Dave from uh, Freedom Action Network. Good to have you along, Dave. I was talking in the first hour about some of the uh, autocratic governors, some of these tin pot dictators in other states, with their increasing yeah. numbers of mandates and must do's and mask wearing. And, uh, you know, the, it seems as if the uh, the list is never ending. But the overarching point, yeah, the overarching point here is that uh, the Chinese flu uh, is a convenient excuse uh, for many of our elected elitist betters to uh to crack down in ways we had previously uh never seen before
2: no it is and and look it's uh it's happening right here in south carolina yep um you know there was a great report uh from the nerve uh earlier in the week uh about how the public service commission right so these are the legislatively appointed bureaucrats that determine um our electricity rates right Uh so that's that's the, they're the regulators that the Dominion Energy down where I'm in the Low Country, Duke obviously up your way. Right. Um, these are the folks that that approve these rate hikes, and so um, they they have now gone to these virtual hearings uh, to discuss an eight percent electricity rate hike for Dominion customers. And you know, many who tried to provide testimony, public citizens tried to provide testimony, they couldn't get through. There were technical difficulties. And Bob, this, this isn't. No, it's not like this is new. I mean, the Greenville County Council, for goodness' sake, right? right. They yep. had virtual meetings since I think April or May, yeah. And they're still meeting virtually, right? So, and this is not normal. And then we faced this. You know, I was in Greenville on Monday, and Bob, we we had over eighty citizens, eighty folks from Greenville County there lined up to meet with their state legislators who were holding their quarterly. Meeting there, the town hall meeting, the legislative delegation meeting, right? And and again, uh, there were uh, police on the premises. There were folks lined up in the hallway. These legislators, uh, you know, met in this conference room. Only twenty, some folks could go in at a time. There were dozens waiting out in the hallway, and all of it based on, well, the Chinese coronavirus, and and we have to socially distance and all this. And, and, Bob, this is nothing more than a convenient excuse to shut us out. Sure. And again, whether it's, you know, Governor Cuomo in New York or whether it's, you know, the, the state legislators in Greenville County, it's all the same. It's all these It's convenient excuses yep. to shut the public out from, you know, holding these politicians accountable. And it's Democrats. It's Republicans. It does not matter. But let me tell you, when folks realized, and, and we had done our due diligence too, Bob, and we had talked about this last week, yep. going to this meeting and confronting our state legislators about, I mean, we're talking about some of the important issues of our day, right? The, the legislative session starts in January. Um, we've got, you know, our gun rights on the table, free speech rights on the table. We've got uh-huh. massive amounts of money flowing through the state government, from the federal government, for the stimulus package. We've got we to gotta account for all of that. These legislators have to account for all of that. And they're putting these things in the way and making it more difficult for citizens to go there and confront them and just talk to them. I, I got to tell you, folks were furious about it. I mean, yes. dozens of folks couldn't even get in, uh, couldn't speak with the representatives. Some of these representatives, I was, I was laughing. Uh, it wasn't funny, but they were, was, uh, one activist came up to me and said, you know, her state senator, Tom Corbin." He jutted out the back door before uh, oh, he could even go up to him after the meeting. I mean, this is just folks wanting to talk to their representatives here in Greenville County, and they can't even do it. And, Bob, here's the thing. I, I mean, thank God for the nerve. They reported this thing on, on the Public Service Commission. They right. reported about how the, the IT and the technology failed and people couldn't address uh, you know, the, their, their, their representatives uh, on the PSC about this rate hike. And, and, and the you know, it was funny they busted them because DHEC, the, the State Department of Health Environmental Control, said that you can do live meetings. You don't need to shut down. You don't need to do virtual meetings. You can safely do these meetings, but go to a venue that allows for people to have socially distance. They, they right. allow people socially distance. And, and that's the thing that I don't understand, Bob. Here in Greenville County, we have... The, the, you know, the Peace Center, for goodness sake. We, we've got the Convention Center. They can go to these big auditoriums where they can hold hundreds of people, sure. and they should be able actively seeking that out. These politicians should be actively seeking out places where, hey, where, where, where citizens can, can come and meet with them and talk with them, but do it safely. And there are plenty of places to do that. But, Bob, I've got to tell you, the fact that they don't do that, it makes you believe that they are and to pack people into a small little county council hearing room or right. conference room, right. it makes you believe they're doing it intentionally, and doing it on purpose. And, and yep. we've got to, and that we have got to force these folks to hold open meetings. We've got to force these politicians to let us have our voice heard. And I'll tell you again 80 uh, activists were there, 80 citizens in Greenville County were there on Monday night, Bob, and their voices weren't heard. They were effectively muted because these guys wanted to put the stiff arm out and say, no, no, no. Mm-hmm. You can't come in here. Only twenty at a time to right. come in here. We're going to have this thing in a tiny little conference room so that only a few of you can come and address us. And I got to be honest with you about that's bullcrap. That yeah, has it to is. End. We have to force them to open up these meetings.
1: Well, and and because uh, we had talked about this last week that this meeting was coming up, and because you had encouraged local activists to come down and join yeah. you and the folks from uh, Fan of SC. Uh, to to be able to converse face to face or mask to mask, I guess, right uh, with right. with with these state legislature representatives, a lot of people took advantage of it. And uh, believe me, when you say that they were pissed, uh, I I know it for a fact because yep. they burned up my text line telling me, hey, this is what happened when we showed up yep. and and tried to uh, have a voice. Uh, to our state representatives, and and we essentially, you know, were treated like uh, the proverbial redheaded stepchild, and told, uh, "Go away. We don't want to. We don't want to talk to you."
2: We were treated like second-class citizens, Bob. I mean, it, yeah. it really was. And again, you, you can expect this stuff in New York City. You can expect it in San Francisco. Uh-huh. But for this to happen in Greenville County, I mean, these legislators should be ashamed of themselves, the way that they treated I mean, there were police officers at the door. You couldn't get in. And by the way, the, the, the irony of only allowing 20 people in did not escape any of us. There were only allowed 20 people into the conference room, but there were... Close to 100 people out in the hallway stuffed together (laughs) like sardines. And and that's the stuff that just makes people even more angry because it makes no sense. Just let folks in. Let people have their say. And, Bob, we've got to force them next time that they have this meeting. They're going to have one again in January. They've got to do this thing at the Peace Center. They've got to do it at the Convention Center. Somewhere where anybody who wants to come and address their legislators and have their voice heard – Can do so safely. Again, the convention center, the peace center, heck, even the library, I mean, that has this big conference for hundreds of people. That's fine. VX says it's okay. They say as long as it's 50% capacity, it's very safe. And I think that that is reasonable. It's a reasonable expectation that we should be able to safely meet with our legislators. And again, if you're sitting there listening right now and you want to have your voice heard and tell your legislators to open up these meetings, Let's force them to open on the – text the word FORCE, F-O-R-C-E, FORCE, to the number 52886, FORCE, to 52886 on your cell phone, and demand that these legislators – demand the people – your employees, Bob, because, again, these folks are our employees, and that's the way that we view these town hall meetings, right, is these are our employees. Yeah. And, and just as you were at work at the radio station or you, you know, you, you work anywhere else – uh, at a restaurant you manage employees you want updates from your employees you want to know how they're doing you want to know what they're doing you want to know and you want to tell them if they're doing a good job or not and that's all uh, that's that's like the baseline of our republic that is right that is basic americanism is that we get to address our politicians when we want to and if we want to do it as a group like we can do here at, at the legislative delegation meetings we should be able to and they're shutting that down and again the fact that DHEC, the state uh, you know, Dep- Department of Health and Environmental Control, the kind of right. lead on this when it comes to the coronavirus, the Chinese coronavirus uh, mandates here in the state, they're saying and they're telling agencies, hey, you can meet in person. You can do it safely. You just have to do it in a big enough venue to accommodate the folks that want to come. Uh-huh. Then they should be doing that because that makes us believe, Bob. It makes us believe and makes us suspicious that the reason they're holding it in these smaller rooms is they just don't want to hear from people. They don't want to talk to people. And watching Tom Corbin exit the back door uh, (laughs) before his constituents could come and talk to him, it just, again, furthers and defines that as, hey, these guys are hiding from us. They're not afraid of the coronavirus. They're afraid of being confronted by their bosses, by us, the citizens of the county. And again, if you want to force your legislators to the next town hall meeting to open this up so that everybody can come who wants to, who wants to address their legislators, text the word FORCE, F-O-R-C-E, FORCE, to the number 52886 on your cell phone, FORCE to 52886, and that'll send a direct message to your state legislators in Greenville County demanding that they find and accommodate everybody who wants to come and address them and speak to them in an open and transparent way to be able to do so.
1: Yeah, they may think that they're being clever, you know, in, in uh, insisting that these meetings continue to be held at that venue. But look, you know, yep. we, were, we were born at night, but it wasn't last night. And, <laughs> and right. we, we understand that the real purpose of this uh, is to restrict public access to these town hall yep. meetings. They don't want 80 people in there with 80 different questions that they're gonna to have to answer. That's right. They don't even that's want right. 20 if they can avoid it, you know, and well, uh, but, and oh, they're, they're not kidding anybody with approaching it in this manner.
2: They're not fooling anybody. And let's be clear, Bob, when for the fifth straight year, you uh, refuse to restore our gun rights, yeah. right? That That's something they don't wanna talk about. Right. when when the roads are in the deplorable condition they're in in Greenville County uh, and all over the upstate, quite frankly, um, that's something they don't want to talk about um, when they're not protecting the right to life again this year. That's something they don't want to talk about mm-hmm. when it, when it comes time to auditing exactly how all that stimulus money was spent, that two billion dollars that they got from D.C., they don't want to talk about those things. And And again, Bob, that is what leads us to be suspicious, and what leads people to be even more angry than they are yeah. is when they feel like they're, they're being hid from. They feel like these politicians are hiding so that they're not held accountable in a face-to-face manner. And th- look, the Chinese coronavirus, be damned, we have got to have an American form of government. We've got to have transparency. We've got to have openness. And that leads to suspicion, Bob, and that's not good. And we've got to be able to hold our politicians accountable for the decisions that they make and for what's coming up in the next legislative session, which, uh, as you know, is going to be so important yep. in the next two years. It's going to be so important. There's so many issues to be addressed. People should have their say, and they shouldn't be hindered by these uh, you know, basically hide-and go-seek here. And, again, they need, to, they need to find a venue that can accommodate the folks who want to come. Anybody who wants to come should be able to come. DHEC says it's safe. They're hiding from us. We need to force them to find a place where we can all come and talk and, and, and hold them accountable and, and make it transparent. Text the word force to the number 52886 on your cell phone. Demand that your legislators do this. Demand your legislators be open, demand they be transparent, and demand they be accountable for their actions.
1: Yeah, it's it's the least they can do uh, in terms it of really constituent is. service to at least listen uh, to the complaints that the people who sent them to Columbia want to bring to their attention. Uh, Fan of SC, they're, they're all over social media, including on Parlor now also, right, Dave?
2: That's right. That's right. At Fan of SC on Parlor. We're on we're still on Twitter at fan of sc and of course we're still on facebook facebook.com forward slash fan of sc
1: Dave uh, I will not be here next week uh, it is of course Thanksgiving week I hope you have a, a safe and happy Thanksgiving holiday with your family and however many people you want to invite into your home.
3: (laughs) (laughs) That's right. You too, Bob. Be safe.
1: (laughs) And I'll see you after the holiday. Thanks, Dave. Always great to have you here. 420 here on the Bobby Mac Show. Be right back. Welcome back, 426 here on The Bobby Mac Show. Here's a little preview of where we're going. If a Democrat uh, presidential nominee, Joe Biden, and up in the White House, ever heard of Richard Stengel? He's one of Joe Biden's uh, top transition leaders. He has been a supporter of ending free speech. Uh, what, what, what does he mean by that? Well, uh, he calls uh, any speech he doesn't like hate speech. Stingle, who was Barack Obama's Undersecretary of State for Public Diplomacy and Public Affairs, published an editorial last year in the Washington Post in which he advocated for making conservative ideas a form of hate speech that should be outlawed. He also wanted this effort made into federal law. He said he felt that the federal government should classify conservatism as hate so that the feds could then make statutes to penalize speech. Hate speech, he wrote, has a less violent but nearly as damaging impact in another way, it diminishes tolerance. There's that word again. Why shouldn't the states experiment with their own version of hate speech statutes to penalize speech that deliberately insults people based on religion, race, ethnicity, and sexual orientation. All speech is not equal, and where truth cannot drive out lies, we must add new guardrails. Uh, Ever read the uh, Constitution, Bill of Rights, Mr. Stingle? 28 after 4 as we go to the phones, right here in Taylor's, Jeff is uh, next up. Hi, Jeff. How's your hump day?
4: Oh, I just got an upset stomach thinking about all this Uh stuff.
1: Yeah, I'm kind of battling a cold myself here.
4: Well, I want to tell you something. You know, the president, let me ask you a question first. Can President Trump, all the way up to the 20th of January, he can issue an executive order? Is that correct?
1: That is correct.
4: And the governor of Georgia can also issue a state executive order. That's correct, too, is it?
1: I I guess I'm not really sure about Georgia.
4: Well I'm gonna tell you what, if if this doesn't happen, it's a it's a lost cause to to do a, a runoff. The president needs to write down well, wait till two weeks or a week before they're gonna vote and ban these uh voting machines that can be hooked up to the internet either yep. by wi fi or cable and and anybody that's gonna vote uh by mail, they're going to have to vote absentee in person, and uh, they just cut this nonsense out and make that nationwide. You can't use a voting machine that can be hooked up to the internet in any possible way. Cause I I was listening to that uh, his uh, his lawyer, that lady was. Uh, they they tracked our votes to Barcelona, Spain, yep. Frankfurt, Germany, and back. Right. Uh, you know this. This is out of hand. It's in our. We're talking about the end of our nation if we don't get a handle on this right here.
1: I'll tell you what else uh, he should do, and this will never happen, but but I would recommend it: federalize the National Guard in Georgia and have them count the ballots.
4: Absolutely, and if and have them be the armed observers. Uh-huh. There'd be no such thing as, as uh running the, the observers out and unless they want to leave there their cells in, in handcuffs. Right. You know, that that's that's where we're at and it's you know it's people and and I'm guilty too. We're all guilty of being complacent, working our job, enjoying our lives, and not taking care of our government, sending a bunch of fools and idiots up there to represent us and, and look where we're at now. Yeah. You know, it's we're well, in we're in bad shape. Home to roost in a bad way.
1: You bet, you bet. Well, uh, I suspect that uh, that President Trump has not shown his whole card here yet, and and I hope it's a good one. Thank you for uh, the call, Jeff. I appreciate it, and I share your concerns. Four thirty one here on the Bobby Mack Show. Step aside for the news, and right back on the other side. And when we come back. Uh, This piece that I found today at the American Thinker. An engineer explains why we must kill software-based voting. Uh, Some fascinating stuff in here. That's next. Welcome back. 438... 22 before five here on the Bobby Mac show, the hump day edition. I did have my uh, my first uh, mask semi-confrontation uh, yesterday. I went by the bank. Uh, don't necessarily want to mention them by name, but their initials are Wells Fargo. And, <laughs> and as I walked in the door, a guy is sitting there, you know, with a bottle of sanitizer and all that stuff. And uh, he said, "Uh, can I help you, sir? And I said, yeah, I'm uh, here to transact a little business. He said, okay, fine. He said, do you have a mask? And I said, no, I don't. And he said, well, here, uh, I have one. Uh, You can use this. And I said, thank you very much. And I took it and I hung it off one ear. Uh, No other commentary transpired. Uh, In on the text line, Bobby, will hired killers get rid of liberals? I think we have an infestation. Uh, Bobby, polling taken without using candidate names shows 74% of Americans share uh, conservative values. So does Mr. Stingle. want to make three quarters of the country uh, contributors to hate speech? Uh, Bobby, the National Firearms Act offends me. I would like to have it abolished. Anyone using language inassociated with it, I would like them to be charged with hate speech. I think that's only fair. I mean, isn't that how we do it nowadays? We force our ideologies on other people. Also, have you seen uh, officials in New York using binoculars and drones to see... uh, uh, be able to look inside people's homes to see if they're wearing masks and participating in social distancing? Yeah, Mm mm-hmm. I thought there was a law against being a peeping Tom. Does that apply even if the peeper is the state? Uh, Hank Wallace wrote this piece that I came across today. An engineer explains why we must kill software-based voting. First, uh, Mr. Wallace writes, my qualifications. I've written over a million lines of code in the last 42 years, including nationwide systems for companies whose names you would instantly recognize. I've been granted quite a few patents on systems containing software and algorithms for solving real-world problems. This is my job and life, and I do it Five or more days a week, sometimes lying awake at night, designing these systems and algorithms in my head while the hours tick by, just ask my wife. There are many, many engineers like me in the U.S., engineers who do this because they love it. And in every election, when I shove my ballot into an electronic voting machine or touch the screen to vote, I feel nauseated because I cannot see what's behind the algorithmic curtain. You see, the great thing about software is that you can have a chunk of expensive electronic and mechanical hardware sitting there, and you can easily change the function of it with a simple software update. That makes my life easier as a developer, but it's a hideous feature when applied to voting machines because they are systems critical to our republic that should not be easily corrupted. Let me just list some of the ways one could engage in election cheating by fiddling with the software. Change the voting ratio between two candidates by any fraction. Display an entered vote correctly to the voter, then change the vote before tabulation. Display a summary of votes to an election official and change that total later. Allow remote modification of vote totals via the internet or local Wi-Fi. Change votes or methods at a certain time of day or at a later date even after voting machine certification concludes or before, during, auditing. Change votes in a random fashion on election day to make it appear to be a legitimate voting trend. Change voting trends by precinct or using historical voting statistics. Update the software secretly with a new algorithm. Provide intermediate vote tallies to remote actors who are gaming the election in other ways. In other words, they can see what the votes are and see what they need. Make adjustments to the votes of one candidate and tracking adjustments to other candidates down ballot. Any cheat you could do with a paper ballot becomes extremely easy with an electronic voting machine plus a lot more. Want dead people to vote? You don't need to dig up their identification or voter registration card. Just program the machine to register 1.02 Biden votes for every actual vote. So for every 50 Biden votes, resulting in one non-existent person voting for Biden as well. That's 2% that costs you no visits to the cemetery or to the morgue. You see, the problem with software-based voting machines is not the software or the design of the machines, but rather the integrity of the designers. If the designers are crooks, your election is hosed. That's the problem with AI Artificial intelligence as well. AI could be a very cool adjunct to help us through life. But ultimately, many software coders today grew up in amoral California or amoral socialist countries. And these people have zero moral inhibition writing AI code that conducts big tech criminal activity. Behind every dishonest voting machine is a pile of dishonest programmers who have no moral inhibitions against giving local and regional politicians the tools they need to steal elections. And these highly intelligent idiots don't consider for a minute that those same tools could be used by the government against their side when they fall out of favor. Software geeks are pretty smart in many ways, and quite stupid in many others. I don't trust them with my future or my government. How about you? A reader will retort that the voting machines use open source code so the good geeks can examine what's happening behind the curtain. That won't prevent bad geeks from modifying voting machine code on the day of the election or even after to change vote totals. Not every problem has a competent and honest solution in software. Common sense tells us that the best voting system uses a mechanical method to mark a ballot in a clear way such as pen and paper. This method allows the ballots to be securely archived in case of disputes. While hand-counting and protecting ballots can be labor-intensive, it's possible to have high confidence in the outcome. With software-based voting systems, your vote is at the mercy of some group of geeks, maybe even in, in another country, who have no respect for your life or your vote. Due to the social media sewer, they're most likely to have only hatred for conservative Americans and your vote. I am not anti-technology, but I'm anti-bad technology and against inappropriate use of technology. Electronic voting qualifies. It seems like the smarter we get in creating amazing tools and systems, the dumber we get in using them. Of course, all of the above applies as well to COVID statistics. We can put these genius idiots out of business by taking control of local government organizations. Are you ready to get to work? Uh, uh, Moneypenny, I think we'll put this up on our Facebook page. It's at American Thinker, written by Hank Wallace, called an engineer explains why we must kill software-based voting. Could not agree more. 13 before 5. Be right back. Welcome back. Seven now before five here in the Bobby Mac show, the uh, Wednesday afternoon edition in my email this afternoon from uh, Hal uh, up in Otto, North Carolina. Bobby just had something interesting happen. I just went to my spam page and found it was loaded with emails from President Trump. The Georgia Republican senatorial candidates, Newt Gingrich, John James, etc. Are all of these people being censored, or are their emails being determined as spam by AOL? Uh, my answer would be all of the above. Back to the phones we go. Let's head to Clinton and bring in Robert here on the Bobby Mac Show, where, of course, it is all Bob, all the time. Welcome, Robert.
3: Absolutely, positively, Bob. Listen, uh, now that you've got Florida, a lot of mayors are going rogue and trying to uh, enact a shutdown. They're talking about, oh, the thousands and the thousands of people going to be killed by this virus. Um, At the same time, we have uh, Zeke Emanuel, advisor Uh to president-elect wannabe Biden right? Is that Ron Emanuel's brother? By the yes, way? It, yes, it uh, is. And,
1: and he's the guy who was behind uh, the uh, killing off the seniors uh, suggestion when Obamacare yeah. first came up.
3: Yes. In fact, he wrote in an Atlantic article in uh, 2014 that we should shoot for 75. Right. And that we shouldn't he be given a flu shot. In fact, uh, in the last 50 years, we've extended people's lives past 60 uh, to where by 75 you're a worthless eater. Right. And then you, co- you know, and then so that they should just deny help, and we just need to get out of the way, and we're extending old age instead of saving young people. Yeah, Funny because thing, what are we going to save young people from Tide Pods and uh, <laughs> and uh, sexually transmitted diseases?
1: Yeah, or, absolutely. Or, jumping or
3: or or killing themselves because of a video game. Right. And couple that with the August was it August seventh, which the fact checkers are saying, oh no, they didn't say that. Omar <laughs> and AOC said all people didn't uh, earn that Social Security. Let's take it from us. Right. So. During the Obama era, there was a lot of pull-the-plug-on-granny. You bet. I experienced that right in a nursing home, two nursing homes with my mother in South Carolina. Mm. Um, Fourth-degree bed sores. And then when she was diagnosed with cancer, which, by the way, is a felony enforced in the state of Texas, but not South Carolina, Uh and uh, when she had had surgery for colon cancer and recovered from it, we could not get the existing healthcare system to even run a $5 test to know if or what the progress of her disease was so we can make plans. They said, what good is it going to do? Because we're not going to do anything anyway. Old folks, 50-somethings, you better wake the hell up because – Logan's run scenarios coming. You got to get rid of us old folks. You know the people with wisdom that finally kind of woke up and learned what things are about <laughs> right. so you can keep a stupid group of 30 somethings uh in the dark and do what you want. But, so but but, but Robert, you know that
1: you know that look at me as an example. I'm 74 years old. I'm obviously no longer a contributing member of society. So I should just uh oh. You know, go lock myself in the bathroom until I expire.
3: (laughs) You're a year. You know, don't exercise. Don't take vitamins. Don't do anything. No, I don't do any of that. Right. Uh, (laughs) I I, I watched watched a,
1: go ahead. Yeah, I I was just going to say the whole thing. Is a, is a terrifying prospect, and it is on the horizon if, uh, if Biden gets in and he's going to use people like uh, Dr. Ezekiel Emanuel as his advisors. I've got to run for the news, but thank you, Robert. I appreciate the call. It's good of thank you, you sir. to be here. You bet. My pleasure. See you back on the other side. Five O'Clock Follies is next up here on the Bobby Mack Show on Hump Day.